0: Meghan McCain has entered the chat. Welcome back to Meghan McCain has entered the chat. Our special uh, rundown of the New Hampshire primary. I'm here with Miranda as I always am honestly it's been so anticlimactic we have two great guests on we have uh, our friend Joe Concha from Fox News and our friend Abe Greenwald from Commentary Magazine and they both give really interesting insights about uh, the election going forward but I have to say it's, it's not the most exciting or exhilarating Trump won by 12 points Nikki Haley is a gallant fighter fighting for the good things but is not going to make it clearly and um yeah that's my quick and dirty analysis so far uh did you watch anything or did you care
1: no i knew trump was gonna win Mm -hmm. um i just i i keep holding out hope that nikki's gonna stay in it just to keep a little i don't know fire under trump's feet uh just so he doesn't think he's got it in the bag i don't know why i don't particularly have a dog in the race. There's no, there's no world in which I'm going to vote for him. Um, I follow this like crazy medium on Instagram. Uh She she predicted that Nikki's going to win the presidency like a year ago. And, or maybe it was even in 2016 before or whatever, 2020, before Trump got impeached the first time. And she said that she saw a dark haired woman in the White House as the president. And Hmm. so uh, I've just been following her ever since. And uh, she keeps – like now she's showing video of Nikki Haley and saying, this is the woman I saw. And she's not political. So um, I'm just – I'm still following her because I'm like, whoa, what if this happens? And
0: she's doubling down that it's Nikki Haley. Mm -hmm.
1: And a lot of the stuff that she predicts like actually does end up happening. So I don't know. I know you believe Uh, in that stuff. I I do. I probably sound crazy to our listeners. But uh, I'm following it because I want to see does this – Does this follow through? Because Nikki's like the last, the last one in the race.
0: Look, maybe she, maybe there is, maybe miracles can happen. I mean, miracles can happen. Maybe it will happen in this situation. The Trump people and like the head of the RNC are all like, drop out, Nikki. It's a foregone conclusion, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's, we're all just like doing the best we can here. Um. Why
1: I just to come to some supposed inevitable that it's going to be Trump and Biden. I don't think we have to do that, go down swinging.
0: And as our friend Mary Catherine Ham said on the last episode, it's like 2020 but older, uh, which is not something anyone wants. I uh, was taping my new digital show for an all day yesterday and then came home and um, I made dinner for my girls and was watching the polls come in and then I stayed up late watching it. And I was like, why am I still like addicted to watching this kind of thing? Because I know the answer. I know what's happening. And then at the same time, I missed the last Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion. And just a total side note for everyone, it has come out that Monica is not coming back who was the woman that was the big disruptor at the last uh, last uh season. It came out that she was running a, a sort of, I guess, troll account against the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She's incredible television. I'm really pissed they're not bringing her back. And I don't that's care if I'm hard. alone we're in chatting. my sentiments. That's you agree, we right? Yeah, that's what we were chatting about. <laughs> <laughs> that was our to injure He's the chat. Uh, we're not talking
1: about New Hampshire. No, we're we are not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really, I don't. I want to have Carlos, our friend Carlos, King come back to really discuss this because, um, she is a fan favorite, and if you look at, I saw the Instagram account by Wig Hello Drama, um, which is a very good Instagram account. Everyone should I follow love it. That account. So good, yeah, and it's literally like by like B Y E Wig B Y E, yeah,
1: referencing uh, Kim Zolciak. Yes, by the
0: way, and it's so good. But uh, they showed uh, Heather had put up an Instagram post and all the comments underneath it are like, you're more okay with Jen Shaw being a criminal than you are with someone running an Instagram account. And as I said with Carlos before, that woman, Jen Shaw, is in federal prison because she stole a lot of money from the vulnerable and the elderly. And that is more in and, and everyone's okay with it. Heather said she would still visit her in jail and she didn't care if she did the crime. Those are her words. And so she's okay with that and not someone running an Instagram account. I just think it's a lot of hypocrisy and I really like Monica as a housewife. I DM'd her on Instagram asking her to come on the show. She did not DM me back, but she does follow me on Instagram, so do with, with that whatever you want. Um, I actually want Carlos to interview her because I think that he's like the, the you know, the the OG and honestly is an incredible interviewer of pop culture people much better than me um so i just want her to do an interview with him uh but i'm really upset i'm actually really pissed off about it just fyi
1: i think it's bullshit that the other women refuse to film with her i think that's garbage television i didn't even watch the third season of salt lake city because it was so boring Mm -hmm. and i actually like i let a lot of season four load whatever stream on my peacock app before i bothered watching it because i wanted to wait and see is it even going to be good and it was it was so yeah. interesting because of this one new character monica so i'm super bummed that she's leaving i know cameras pick up in a month and i guess this was like the do or die time for monica and everyone said they're not going to film with her so i think that's really a cop out on the part of bravo hc to like get your shit together and do your jobs to the other women and so what if they're going to ice her out or whatever this, like Carlos said, Danielle Saab, season two of New Jersey. They got it. They figured it out a way mm-hmm. for it to work together. They're more concerned about so-called mean tweets than a woman who literally steals from people. I don't know. It's so stupid.
0: Money from elderly. Um, I mean. Yeah. And the other thing, the other question I have for you, and we'll, like I said, we'll just, we're going to do a big, deeper dive, hopefully, with Carlos and over his schedule, him or someone else. We hope his schedule will be okay for next week. But um, the question I have for you is, like, you know, we talked about how Monica was a poor housewife, like, financially. She's not a multimillionaire by a long shot. She lives in a small house. She has four kids. Um, she's very open about her financial struggles on the show. She's in our age range. I think she's 39 or 40. I'm 39. Um and I found her, like, deeply relatable. Um, not because she's, like, a crazy person or a sociopath, but I actually found her, like, really refreshing in a franchise of, like, women who are wearing $40,000 worth of, you know, jewelry and clothes at any moment in time. I thought she was, like, a kind of, like, modern post-COVID housewife. And I think the people at Bravo are really underestimating the fact that women like you and me, who are also, like, you know, moms in our sweatpants a lot, liked her.
1: I know we always like to say we love – uh a super rich housewife and um, a super messy housewife or super fancy housewife. Cause it is fun to watch that. Cause it's so not who we are. So it's like a uh, looking glass into another world. But at the same time, it was really fun to see someone who was the anti that like the anti Heather DeBro, who's mm-hmm. not walking around her house in heels. Like she's wearing her yucky Uggs and a sweatsuit and not in full glam at 7am. Cause that's insane. Um I really liked Monica cuz she did seem like one of my girlfriends. Like mm-hmm. she seemed like someone who I'd just be sending Instagram DMs to all day long. Um it was like looking in a mirror, for real. Not with all the craziness and the fighting with the mom, that's not really my vibe, but at the same time it was very very Do
0: you familiar. think there will be a backlash?
1: I don't I mean, yeah, I think there already is one just by seeing what's being posted by the Bravo fan accounts. People are really upset. I don't think it's going to be enough to bring her back. I have seen rumors that she's being courted or possibly already cast for the villains show. Okay, okay. For the traitors show, which would be fascinating. And um, Monica herself even posted that she might write a book about her experience. I'd rather
0: I'd rather watch watch than read. Yeah, no, I mean, rather
1: watch her than my reading reading time is.
0: spent yeah. on much more serious things i need My escapism watching yeah maybe, so, um. i'd rather watch <laughs> thank you well the other question i have for you is i've been watching this season of beverly hills and i will say i'm like I think I'm like an episode or two behind and part of it is it's just so boring nothing's happening there's just teases of uh, Kyle and her may or may not be lesbian girlfriend Morgan Wade it's boring I also there is something right now about I think it's because like the world keeps getting scarier and darker and we're in like a I don't think it's official economic recession but it's like we are. And there's something about this, like, excess, excess, excess of wealth when you have, like, 5,000 Birkins. And I actually saw this picture of Kim Kardashian where she was talking about all the Balenciaga bags she has. And she has $400,000 worth of Balenciaga bags. And I was like, I just think this culture of excess is coming to an end I don't think people The fact that I liked Monica so much And really responded to her I think says a lot About this moment And I think these housewives Are going to need to Reroute a little bit Because I am so bored With Beverly Hills right now And we know as Mona, Miranda you know I know Erica Jane's our girl I love her But she can only do so much She's one cast member On the on show She's certainly trying So I just feel like They're going to have to Mix it up And I'm not going to Live in a world where Heather Gay gets to call All the shots in Salt Lake City I'm just not. I will all opt out, much like I'm doing this fucking election. I will opt out. On, yeah, there's a, on the Housewives
1: next season. there's a lot of the shows that I'm opting out on. Um, And Beverly Hills is a big one. You said you're one or two behind. I think I'm like the whole season behind. The last one I watched was like, I haven't even gotten to the Denise Richards Upside Down Jacket episode yet because it's so hard to get through. I'm probably going to catch shit for this. I miss Lisa Renna. So
0: oh, I miss I Lisa Renna so loved- much. Her, I love Lisa Rena. Um, and, and by the, the way, I've probably. met her in person several times. Uh, Angel, yeah. lovely, lovely. When you
1: were pregnant with Liberty, and it was like uh, maybe it was even Clover, I can't remember which one. I DM'd her because I wanted to get you the bunny, <laughs> and so I messaged her. I was like, "Flat so out, funny. Um, my friend is pregnant. I want to get the bunny because I live in LA." And she told me where it was, but that the store was closed. So then she sent me like three different options of where I could get one very similar. That's so nice. She didn't so have nice. to do that. She is. Then then she's like, and this one for this one, there's a great restaurant around the corner for lunch. And she sent me other like fun places to go around the other stores. Yeah, too. she's lovely. Like,
0: also, like, they need her. Like they need Lisa Rinna back.
1: We need a foil. Also. We need a- like wrestling needs a heel. We need a Lisa Rinna to stir the shit pot.
0: I'm not watching this because I want unproblematic people. Okay, like I'm not watching this because I want like just sanctimonious stuff and like high heels. But I'm just again, we're we are gonna talk about the primary and political news. But I just have to say, at least on this show, Miranda and I are really disappointed that they're not having Monica back. And I think it, I think it's gonna be a tactical error on their point. I think it's gonna reflect in the ratings because again, I just I. Just don't know how interested I am anymore. Hearing Heather Gay continue to talk about being an ex Mormon, it's not that interesting.
1: Boring. No one gives a shit. No one gives a shit. I want to hear more about Rielevantes and yeah. all the people that were involved in it. And
0: also, I, we need I, villains.
1: I don't Reality TV needs villains. Like, Heather and Whitney and their like twenty third cousin seventeen times removed fighting. I don't care. Agree. I don't care. I need you need Monica back and build a new show around her because this is I'm over it. agree.
0: Well, on that note, Miranda, let's get started with the show. But thank you again for talking to me about everything. And yes, last night we were once it came clear what was happening with Trump, I was just really pissed off about Monica <laughs> 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 Yes. All right. thank you on that note. Let's get started. Welcome back to Megan McCain Has Entered the Chat. Our next guest is an old friend of mine I've known for a very long time who was actually on our old radio show, so he knows Miranda, too. Joe Concha is a Fox News contributor and a columnist for The Messenger. Uh, you also are a Fox News contributor, correct? Did I just say okay. that? Sorry. Fox News contributor, a columnist for The Messenger. I feel like you have another job title that I'm missing. Do you have another job title uh, I'm missing?
2: Best-selling author. Best-selling oh, on, author. Man.
0: That's it. A father all around Racontour. Uh, yes. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I'm going to get to the primary, but I just want to do a little media news with you because that's sort of your uh, bread and butter. It just broke when I was coming into the studio that Jon Stewart is returning to The Daily Show but only on Mondays and through the election. Now, I'm the first person to say when I was a teenager in my formative years, I loved The Daily Show. I thought it was so funny. I loved Jon Stewart. I remember when I actually got to go to the show in college because my dad was on and it was like amazing and I thought it was so good. And then I grew up and I became an adult and I had kids and I watched his Apple show and I was horrified at the sort of like creature he has morphed into. Uh I found him to be like the most woke, uh like... I I didn't recognize the John that I used to, that I grew up loving. Now he's coming back to The Daily Show. My question for you is A, why can't they pick a fucking host permanently? Number one. And number two, which version of Jon Stewart am I going to get?
2: Fuck. We can say fuck on this? Night? Oh, yeah. Can you can fuck? say
0: whatever you want. This is a podcast. <laughs> so Even though I, I tend podcast. to not right. do it all the time, I only will bring out the F-bombs to people I think can handle it because so it's still a family show, Joe. So, you know, this it isn't. Is.
2: All right. I'll refrain then.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, look,
2: five <laughs> syllables describe Jon Stewart now. to moan, e, us, right? Yeah. He speaks down to people because he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And look, during COVID, I thought he had the best analogy ever. When he went on Colbert and he had the balls to actually put forth the theory, which seems pretty plausible now, that COVID came from a lab. And the analogy that he used, Megan, was he said, Well, let's say there was a uh, chocolatey outbreak in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Do you think it's because a cocoa bean made it with a <laughs> shovel? Or do you think it came from the fucking chocolate? Uh, in other yeah. words, <laughs> he nailed that and uh-huh. it was true. You're, you're like, Yeah, that makes total sense now. But the fact that he's going the Rachel Maddow route where, you know, I'm only going to work one day a week, mm-hmm. like Rachel does. She only works on Mondays as well. I say you can't kind of get a girl pregnant. And you can't kind of work in this <laughs> business. Show up five days a week. You want to take off a Friday and work four. I got no problem with that. But. I, I guess this may revive it a little bit but we're talking 10 years since he left and maybe he just doesn't have his fastball anymore because the Apple show was not watched by many people
0: I can't even tell you how much I I watched parts of that the Apple show and I was just like I don't know what this is and it seems so the thing I used to love about him was I did think he liked spoke truth to power and he really was to, to a point, fair to both sides. I was probably more liberal when I was younger. Um, but why are they having such a hard time picking a host? I was actually listening to another podcast uh, earlier today with a, a contributor. Uh, her name is Dul- Dulce Sloan. Dulce Sloan, excuse me. And um, I was like, she's really funny. Why don't they give it to her? Like, why are they having such a hard time picking someone? Is it because Trevor Noah was, I know people don't want to say it, but he was not a huge success. The ratings were in the tank when he hosted.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, so John Stewart would average more than two million people watching his show on a nightly basis and then by the time noah was done he couldn't get five hundred thousand. you know he was like in cnn levels at that point so <laughs> I, I think they never really recovered from that and they have put a whole bunch of different people in there to try them out and nothing has worked so i have a feeling stewart's going to come back and people particularly young people that used to watch the daily show like you and me they're watching on their phones now they're streaming and i guess if you look at those numbers maybe he'll do okay but I think this is timed, obviously, around the election. Uh, John's always been an activist before, uh, a comedian, just like Stephen Colbert, just like Jimmy Kimmel. So I I can see this just being a reason to come back to talk about Trump every night. But if he does that, then he's like every other late night host, uh, except for Gutfeld, I suppose. And and he's not going to stand out because there's so many Stuart clones out there like John Oliver. I can't tell one from the other.
0: Well, I agree with you. And again, another thing, I'm I'm 39 years old. I guess I'm aging myself. But when I was growing up, I also used to watch Jay Leno all the time. And I actually had the absolute privilege. It actually helped really make my career. Um, He hired me to be one of the on the Jay Leno show. He had like a panel of contributors that went on that were like commentator talk people. And it was like, oh, wow. yeah, it was this is like a long time ago. This is like, I mean, I think it must be 2010, 2009. It's a while ago. But I got to know him very well. I still like know him. In fact, I should ask him to come on the podcast at some point. He's literally one of the nicest people I've ever met in TV that kindest most collaborative his backstage environment was so fun there was like music and food and drinks everyone had a good time those days are so long gone and he had a bunch of Republicans on the show all the time now I just can't I mean I like the rest of America am not watching late night TV my question for you is at a certain point when does making money and having people watch your shit matter because <laughs> if it's just gonna be MSNBC but by a comedian what's the point of it or is this just gonna slag on forever like zombies into the darkness
2: Zombies into the dark, probably okay. the MSNBC analogy is perfect. You literally can't tell the difference between Colbert and Kimmel and Joy Reid and Chris Hayes, except maybe they have better writers. Right. Okay. Uh, and maybe they'll have celebrities on their show when obviously uh, you can only book Bernie Sanders so often on, on one network. But here we are. So yeah, that's that's the whole thing. And even MSNBC, by the way, way back when. Because I wrote about this, my new book that's coming out, it's called Not Your Daddy's Donkeys, and it's all about how the Democratic Party used to be about X, Y, Z, and now it's just the party of, of smug elitists. And I had a point here, Megan, and I forgot what it was. What, what was I going to say? I wrote about this in my book. What did I When about does your book, book come out? Uh, my book comes out in June of 2024,
0: June 25th. Well, that's so, a beat before January, so you'll have to come back before the book comes out. It's a beat before the book comes out, so you'll have to come back on the show to promote it when it comes back, when your book comes out in June. You'll have to come back yes, on my podcast. Exactly. Um, so we,
2: do, we have a whole uh, chapter dedicated to late night and, and what it's become. And under Carson, once in a while, he would make a political joke. And when he did, it had real zing because he wasn't political. And he literally said... And when he was interviewed about it, like, that's not my job. My job is to entertain and Letterman in the early days with stupid dog tricks. And he was great and wasn't political. Then he went to CBS and things changed. And obviously Leno, same thing. He understood the Michael Jordan rule, which is Republicans buy sneakers, too. And then you have Jimmy Kimmel literally saying, telling Trump supporters, do not watch my show. I don't want you to watch uh, because I'm against you and you're bad people. Well, you've just alienated half your audience, so congratulations. And and that's why, again, I'll I'll bring up Greg Gutfeld because he's filling a lane now. You have five or six late-night hosts all saying and doing the same thing, and then Gutfeld does something different, and he takes half that pie, go figure, and the show's just good.
0: It must really anger those hosts that his show does so well because I think it beats – uh, uh, Stephen Colbert I believe in the ratings and Kat Timp is a very close friend of mine and I'm so proud of all the work she does on that show as well and I think you know the the free market's an incredible thing and people are going to go where they want to be entertained but it, it's really a tragedy because I think once upon a time late night television was very influential in culture and you think of like Bill Clinton going on Arsenio and playing the saxophone and things like that but anyway that's a totally different tangent I hope I see the original OG Jon Stewart uh, I'm not going to hold my breath though. Um, I do also want to ask you one more thing just in the, actually I have two more questions in the culture space because you're a culture guy. Um, the first thing is the Academy Award nominations came out yesterday. People are very very angry that Margot Robbie was not nominated for the Barbie movie and that the director of the Barbie movie uh, was nominated but Ryan Gosling was. Um, on the flip side there's this movie called American Fiction which my understanding, I want to see it, I have not watched it yet, but it's like sort of a parody of wokeness and a parody of like uh, pretentious white liberals and their treatment of like Black Americans. That's my understanding. I've seen the preview. I have not watched it. Um, what do you make of these the, of the Academy Awards nominating a movie like American Fiction? And what do you make of the backlash against Barbie?
2: Well, you know the the Academy Awards, the the, the Oscars, they've always had a problem embracing movies that may not be super super serious about super super serious topics right i mean some of the best movies of all time were comedies i hate mm-hmm. to say it but you know it's it's true when you talk about a movie that you could watch 30 or 40 years from now or action movies for that matter how does bruce willis not get nominated for die hard 1 i mean he was incredible in it but oh, it's an action movie it's blood and guts and and you know I mean, Who cares? Who cares about the genre? Uh, So I think with Barbie, maybe they thought it was too fluffy, and therefore Margot Robbie gets shunned, even though Ryan Gosling still got nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and the director absolutely should have been at least nominated because just the colors in that movie just looked so different and, and really captured exactly what it wanted to. Plus, it made over a billion dollars, by the way, so I have a feeling audiences liked it as well. So, yeah, Margot Robbie got shunned just like Bill Murray got shunned for Ghostbusters, which I think is incredible, and he was a great actor in that, but we just only nominate certain movies that the Academy thinks are worthy and that, to that end, I think Oppenheimer sweeps everything because I thought that was incredible.
0: I have not seen Oppenheimer either, but I need to. My husband came back from seeing Oppenheimer and came into our bedroom and goes, I need to take some time, a little bit of time for myself because the world is a horrible place. That's what he, wow. like Oppenheimer like messed him up. <laughs> he was like so freaked out after he saw it. So I will see it. I just again need the time and bandwidth. Um, right, I, have I to... think
2: that was, uh, if you don't mind, we'll go sure. back to our old radio conversations. I think that was a pickup line by Ben. I think he was looking for some sympathy.
0: <laughs> That's not the way to right do now. it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> That's not the way to do it. You can just spend like old me. I would have done by it. By the way,
2: let's remind your uh, your listeners when I used to come on your show this is probably like eight or nine years ago. It's a long time ago. Uh, it's like almost 10. I, Cindy would come on your your mom would come on mm-hmm. and i would be like look we got to get this girl married oh my <laughs> god i make this girl a mother remember that and you're like no it's not gonna happen i'm enjoying my life single well, look do, at this do you want to know what's so
0: funny it's so true there's oh, we actually have tim carney coming on this show um to talk about like women like me who are sort of like and i'm total classic case of this like sent really toxic messages by like the sex in the city generation and me at 39 I'm like it's all a lie you have to take marriage and fertility as seriously as you do your career and the exers lied to you and they, they hurt you and it's not true and great if you don't want to get married and have kids but if you even maybe do a little bit you have to treat it seriously and I was around I don't know if you know this Joe but I was around a lot of really toxic women for a long time Um, so <laughs> I heard. Yeah, and they
2: can't stop talking about you for some reason completely out of nowhere
0: so that was my Other question I was gonna ask you, because I don't love talking about the view all the time, but you did defend me on Fox News, which thank you so much. I appreciate it. After the recent kerfuffle, which happened like a month ago, something like that. Um, I am actually like still in the middle of a thing, uh, trying to get an apology of from being compared to Hunter Biden, which I take very seriously. I've never been accused of a crime in my life, I've never touched a drug in my life, I've never gone to rehab, I've never cheated on anyone I've ever dated because when I was growing up my parents said, Don't lie, Steve or steal or cheat and everything else is fair game. I, I am just, I'm not the, I am not a perfect person. I am a moral person and I am absolutely in no way Anything like Hunter Bryden, and it is deeply offensive to me and my children to in any way do that. And I think it's chicken shit that people on the left can't come up with some kind of better talking point to cover for his shitty behavior and his criminal behavior than somehow rope me into it. I have nothing to do with any of this, but you want to act like his behavior is okay. We know it's not. It's criminal and somehow just say, oh, all Nepo babies are the same. We are not. I may be a Nepo baby, but I'm not a criminal and I'm not a disgusting person like Hunter Biden is. Anyway, sorry, a little tangent. I'm clearly still pissed off about it. But why do you think this is still happening? Uh, you are a, you know, you're literally a media commentator. Um, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize when I signed up to be on The View that I would be talked about it years and years after <laughs> on the show by people I used to work with.
2: Yeah, uh, because the show just uh, has not had the juice Uh, that it had when you were there. And I'm not saying this, I'm not saying this because I'm on your podcast and I'm supposed to kiss your ass right now. (laughs) You're not like that. (laughs) Well, no, I'm not. I I try to call balls and strikes. And, And you actually challenged people when they came on that show, like Kamala Harris. I saw a clip of you challenging her on several things recently when she was on. Whoever they've replaced you with uh, I, I love the fact that Ana Navarro, and you you don't have to jump in on this. Uh, yes, yeah, she's a Republican strategist and a conservative. No, she's not.
0: She's a she surrogate for the Biden reform. campaign, a literal surrogate for the Biden campaign.
2: Exactly. I think even uh, was going to host a fundraiser form uh, until the, that, that got reported. The, the The point is that their whole big point was about nepotism and entitlement. And you only got to where you were because you're a McCain. And, and my point on Fox, and, and I may have written about it as well, w- which was, no, I used to go down downtown New York to a <laughs> fairly, I hate to put it this way, they've moved since, so I guess I can say this, dingy building uh, where you got to walk a good mile just to find a bathroom in the place. Yeah, it remember. was not great. <laughs> no, it was not great, particularly when you're running during a commercial and you got to get there. But the point is that you grinded. I, I've done radio 6 to 9 o'clock New York. I didn't get to see my kids before they went to bed. It's, it's a grind. It's tough to do. As you said, you also were with Leno for a while. You did the cycle on MSNBC, right? Which was like the five, but with four, and it was on it Four.
0: I actually uh, did not the- do that show. I did. Uh, I now? did outnumbered on Fox for a few years. I worked oh, at I MSNBC for as a contributor, and it was not a holistic fit, as you can imagine. And then yeah. I hosted a show in LA, and then I hosted a show on Fox, and then I joined the View, and I That's hosted the radio over is- there. <laughs> You I've had jobs. I'm of
2: Alicia Menendez. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. my, my senator's daughter is a very nice gal. Um, I like her. Right. Yeah. She's another There's
0: good school. Nepo baby. Anyway, didn't continue. Right.
2: <laughs> be, whether it's you, whether it's Abby Hornacek, uh, you know, you go down the line and people say, oh, they just got their jobs because of their names. Now, you had to work for a while in jobs that aren't, you know, glamorous to get to where you were. And when you're on The View, you're the last person to actually challenge liberal guests and that's basically all they have on there uh and that made it more interesting and your co-host did not like how effective you were and that still bothers them to this day and that's why they're taking pot shots at you when you can't even defend yourself directly and it's a whole bowl of wrong and it just shows you that class is not something that you associate with the show that Barbara Walters, when she envisioned it, did not envision whatever version that that's out there now because it's p- completely unhinged. It makes you, MSNBC look sane. Do you know
0: who else said that? The New York Times. They wrote a long takedown of The View, like, I don't know, six months ago, something like that. And it, in it, it said, like, the same view, and it was all the hosts' faces rotating in and out of each other. So it's not just me, It's and it's not just you. It's people of The New York Times. It, it is what it is. It's just interesting to me that um, we are living in a time where – if you are Hunter Biden and you're literally smoking crack and making porn and taking money from foreign adversaries and doing all the disgusting things he does. And I do not give him the same kind of passes everybody else does because I come from a hardcore military family. My dad was a POW. When I got drunk when I was 16, the next morning hungover, throwing up, I was cleaning out horse stalls of horse shit, literally in, in Sedona. So like that's the kind of family I come from. And I do think like, you know, addiction's really awful and I have addicts in my family as well. And I have compassion for addicts obviously i think hunter biden is an opportunist gross person i don't give him the same kind of passes but if it was it would be more comfortable for my ex-colleagues if i were a crackhead an ex-crackhead who was stealing (laughs) money than apparently just living my life and having a career and now we can move on (laughs) but thank you for letting me i
2: am curious there's one question the Mm -hmm. the 16 drunk thing what what got you zima the bartles and james like what what was the what what did you in
0: i think it was like bud light it was pathetic okay. it's like something pathetic yeah it was beer but i don't remember it was, i think i probably as given that was our house we found it in the guest room me and my girlfriend uh, yeah okay. and i'm okay. i am not a drinker at all at all and i never really have been and it's probably because of that <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and that i remember good. my That's dad was like history. if you're gonna if you're gonna drink like an adult you can act like an adult." <laughs> so just fyi uh-huh. right. um okay we gotta go about
3: hangovers. That that i know
0: Oh I I never I still like I will do anything not to have a hangover. Um I've got to go to the primary last night. Um obviously Trump won by roughly 12 points, 54% to Nikki Haley as uh, 43%. Um there's a lot of interesting data coming out, but again, like data now could maybe mean something different now than later. Um according to uh the question how would you feel if Trump wins the nomination? 53 percent of Republicans would be satisfied, but 35 percent of Republicans said they, they will not vote for Donald Trump. Um, it's also worth noting that 43 percent of Nikki Haley's voters yesterday said that they would vote for Donald or I'm sorry, vote for Joe Biden. Um, what did you make of the results? Do you think she has a path forward? And should, how concerned should the Trump campaign be about these independent voters and Nikki Haley voters that say they won't vote for him?
2: Uh, Megan, I'll, I'll answer the path forward question first. I, I don't see a path. right? She lost Iowa by 32 points. She lost New Hampshire by double digits. And a lot of Democrats, unregistered, unregistered ones who will otherwise vote for Joe Biden, voted for her just to make Donald Trump's life uh, difficult or the narrative to, to make him look vulnerable. So then from here... South Carolina is a month away. He has every endorsement of every major politician there, whether you're talking about Lindsey Graham, whether you're talking about Tim Scott, whether you're talking about McMaster, the governor, and you could go down the line, then you look at polls there, and Trump is up anywhere from an average of 30 to 40 points. So if she gets smoked like that in her home state, I, I don't see how she continues. So, I guess if she has the money, she has every right to continue. Uh, but at this point, I just don't see when that turning point is going to happen where she can start to overcome him in terms of delegates and actually win the nomination. As far as Trump and independence, and say 35% of voters wouldn't vote for him uh, in a general election. I I just don't know if I trust that data, because in the end, are they just gonna stay home or are they gonna actually vote for Joe Biden? Now, in 2020, that was more plausible because Biden was seen as somewhat of a moderate, right? Uh, but now we see what the Biden administration has done, particularly with the border, which which you're from Arizona. I mean, it is horrifying is what insane. is happening there in terms of hundreds of terrorists have come over our border. This isn't the Fox guy just throwing out conspiracy theories. That's literally people that were on the FBI terror watch list that were apprehended, according to border officials. So I'm going to trust that data. And then obviously all the fentanyl coming in, that's very bad. In New York, they're cutting sanitation education and the mypd just to house and feed migrants this is pissing off everybody particularly minorities that live in urban communities hispanics don't like this very much so
0: charlemagne but, said that he the radio host said that um he's shocked how many people call into the breakfast club pissed about that and he's obviously a black man with i assume at a highly you know black audience
2: yeah great point so that, that's the thing if they're not going to vote for trump I, they're sure as hell not going To Biden, I don't think, given where we are as far as inflation still being 250% higher than it was when he took office, crime, you see people fleeing American cities like San Francisco, Chicago, New York for states like Florida, red state, or Tennessee, red state, or Texas, red state. So I don't think Bidenomics and the Biden brand is the answer. Trump obviously has many flaws on a personal basis, but in the end, in terms of policy, it's hard not to agree with him in terms of the border, in terms of energy independence, in terms of the way he handled the economy. And as far as foreign policy is concerned, we weren't at war anywhere uh, from 2017 to 2021. We crushed ISIS. North Korea stopped launching uh, test missiles over Japan. So the world seemed a heck of a lot more stable then, uh, than it was then than it was now. So I think that if Trump could stay disciplined and just stay on those topics, he could win. He's the odds on favor to do now. But Discipline is a day-to-day thing with him. After Iowa, I liked that version of Trump. It was more of like the apprentice Trump. And then last night, he was just angry and unhinged. So you're like, all right, what are we going to get here? So mm-hmm. I just wonder in the end, I want to get your opinion on this. I'm going to take over the podcast and ask you By all means, Will it be Biden-Trump as your rematch? Or does something happen between now and then? I'm not saying death to Biden or anything like that. Like he's old and he's going to keel over, but... Is he replaced? This uh, Trump somehow? What happens? You think?
0: So I spoke with a strategist last night who is convinced that something is going to happen, and I know that sounds like very nebulous, but that you know Biden will be replaced. Someone will maybe gets too sick to be able to run, uh, that like this is nowhere near the 11th hour of what to expect. I also, one of the questions I had for you that we can jump to is, um I wanted to ask you about the RFK Jr. factor. Anecdotally in my life, I know quite a few people who are disenfranchised Democrats from Biden and disenfranchised Republicans from Trump who are very, they're at least flirting with the idea of the possibility of voting for him. I wouldn't say they're full-blown supporters, even though I will say I, I have one person in my life who loves him, like loves him, loves him, loves him. Um, um, do you think he can actually be a factor or is it just sort of a you know thing for us to talk about on a podcast?
2: Yeah, I think he absolutely could be a factor. I, I, I look at polls and I see him above 20 percent. We haven't seen a third party candidate remotely out of the single digits in a very long time. you got to go back to Ross Perot, 1992. What happened in 1992? Perot got 19 percent of the vote. And Bill Clinton got 43 percent of the vote, and 43 percent was all Clinton needed to win that election quite easily. By the way, over George H.W. Bush was over 90 percent approval at the beginning of the Gulf War at one point. So that's the factor that it could have. That if it splits the pie more, I think RFK Jr. bites into Biden support more than Trump support. And when these these elections come down to a few states. 10,000, 12,000 votes in Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. That could be all the difference that, that I think if RFK is on the ballot and uh, he'll make a difference. And that's not good news for the incumbent when you have a third party candidate that that's, is that strong.
0: You were bringing up uh, Trump's discipline issues. I was actually surprised to see yesterday that he was attacking your colleague, Haley McEnany, who I really like. I think she's like very fair. Um, And she had suggested last night that Trump adjust his tone and use exit poll data to make the point, uh, sort of shifting to the general election, that Biden is alienating voters and making she also made the point that seven out of 10 Haley voters won't vote for him, like I just said. Um, I didn't think that it's a big deal for her to tell him to focus on the general. Uh, and he just pops off on his former employee, called her a, quote, rhino to save her advice for Nikki. Kayleigh McEnany's many things. I mean, but like people like me are the rhinos. <laughs> like, you know, people say, like, <laughs> I don't think she she worked for her as a spokesperson. Why attack Kaylee McEnany? It's just so strange.
2: Unless you get complete and total loyalty, any little criticism of Trump and you know, Tommy Lahren's been on the other end of this. I've been on the other end of this. You, you say anything that's just a basic analysis, like kind of like almost calling a football game and saying, boy, I, I think the Bills really have to open up their passing game here if they want to catch up to the Chiefs type of thing. And all you say is, look, you had this nomination wrapped up, turn to the general, don't worry about Nikki Haley, worry about Joe Biden, contrast your record with his and talk about what you're going to do to make this country great again instead of talking about the past the january 6th or the 2020 election being stolen focus on the general and you you could obviously appeal to these independents that as we just talked about aren't crazy about joe biden in terms of the way he's run this country and are looking for an alternative and want to hear what trump can offer compared to him that is a very fair analysis. There's nothing personal about it. There's nothing uh, in terms of acrimony uh, that was there. Kelly calls balls and strikes, and for him to go after her, I, you know, she was the most one of the most loyal people to him uh, in that administration. Doing one of the toughest jobs you possibly can do is be White House press secretary, particularly during a Donald Trump presidency, where there could be a tweet that's going on during the press conference that you have to answer to. Uh, I, I think it's just again that's that other side of Trump that I think turns a lot of people off that are in the middle or have an open mind about him.
0: I want to ask you about uh, Tim Scott last night. This is also something extremely uncomfortable for me to watch. He was standing behind President Trump. President Trump made a very weird uh, comment about him getting engaged. Uh, Tim Scott is 57, engaged for the first time, whatever. Love is, I guess, sometimes hard to find. And then he uh, said, you must really hate Haley for betraying her after you, she appointed you. And he just said, no, I just love you so much. It, they do not have natural chemistry at all. If if Tim Scott's trying to be a VP pick, I, all of it just made me uncomfortable. Um, and I also feel like the more you sort of like debase yourself in front of Trump, maybe the less he'll like you. I mean, it seems a little sadistic. What did you make of that last night? And do you think Tim Scott could be a possible uh, fix? Or do you think it will probably be a woman?
2: I'll answer the second question first. I think Tim Scott is probably one of two finalists as far as the VP pick. I I don't think anything happens by accident. I think Freud said that once, that there are no accidents. And there was no accident that when Donald Trump's up on that stage and you have millions watching, who's the one face you see behind him and it was Tim Scott. There's a reason for that, I think. So I think he's leaning towards him right now. He brings an optimism to the campaign. He's likable. Democrats even like him. He may bring some stability uh, to the campaign. You could see Tim Scott as a president one day. You can never see Kamala Harris as president, but you That's could true. see Tim Scott. So I think that he is probably one choice. And then I keep going back to Christy Noem because she passes the, the test that apparently Kayleigh McEnany couldn't, uh, which we just talked about was ridiculous. And that is the loyalty test. And if you are completely and totally loyal to Trump and, and you're a governor of, of of a state where you've done pretty well, I could see Noam or I could see Scott. I don't think anybody else is really. Good
0: Not Elise that. Stefanik, who is like tap dancing in front of everyone trying to get picked. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Elise Stefanik. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's still in her 30s. She, she And I, I just think age does matter a little bit when we're talking about heartbeat away from the presidency. Uh, maybe her time is down the road, but I think. When you're still in your 30s and you don't have a lot of name recognition, she she does the loyalty thing as well. But I, I just don't see it.
0: I have two more questions for you. Do you have time? Sure. OK. The first one is uh, the New York Times is reporting that two White House aides are leaving the White House. Jen O'Malley, Dillon and Mike Danilian. Uh, they're moving from the West Wing to Wil- Wilmington to help him run his reelection bid. Uh, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They're focusing on the Electoral College and his messaging does it matter? The rumor is that it was actually to appease the Obamas because both Michelle and President Obama have come out on and off the record uh, voicing how concerned they are about what kind of candidate he is. I actually didn't know that there was this sort of like acrimonious relationship between the Obamas and, and the Bidens until recently. But apparently it's like a thing that's known Um do you think that this is, there's a possibility for Joe Biden to reroute anything? Because when you were just talking about the border, if I were President Biden and working for him, I'd be like, "Your ass is going to the border today, and you're going to show that you actually care about this and stopping the stop the flooding." Because again, even just polling wise, Democrats care about it too. Um, do you think it'll make a difference? Uh, this restaffing? No, no. I think end, <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> you, you, you look at you know I'll use an NFL analogy again. Uh, it doesn't really matter who the assistant coaches are for Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be great, you know, or pick a bad quarterback. Uh, Zach Wilson for the Jets, right? Uh, it doesn't matter who you coach him with. He's he's not going to do very well. Same thing with with Biden. You could put all these people around him and, and strategize. In the end, he has spent 40% of his presidency. And I get it if you're a golf starter or you're working part-time at the Quickie Mart, that's fine. If
0: you're president of the United States and you've taken off 40% of your
2: of your presidency. I know. What is that? Vacation?
0: He's always on vacation. What is that? Yeah. I know. I, I agree with you. It's, it's absurd. Age. It's yeah. his age. Yeah. Well, uh, but every weekend he's gone by Friday, you
2: know, early Friday, he comes back on a Monday. Boy, I would, I would kill for that life. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you're 81 and you're going to be 86 in your second term, I don't care. Like you, even when he campaigns now, it can't be like more than a state away from Washington. Like he has to go to Pennsylvania and then he went to Virginia yesterday. It's it's like, is he going to go to Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, or is that too far at this point for this guy? So I I think that's the problem. You, You, you could put all the different campaign managers around him that you want, the product is the product. And and right now, I just don't see Joe Biden getting better with age like wine. He's more like cottage cheese. And as you know, cottage cheese doesn't.
0: Age. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I, you know, before Biden, I wasn't as much of as, as an ageist as I am now. And now I'm like, we have to have age limits at like 75 for all things in public office, including the presidency. And I just don't think I'm, I have a one of my best girlfriends lives in London. And she's like, it's a absolute joke the way people in England talk about the octogenarian class running your our country. She's American. Um, I, I don't know how you overcome that. They are not going to be able to keep him in the basement like they did in the last election. Um, I don't know how he even debates Trump. And I mean that like physically. You think he won't at all? No.
2: I, I think oh it's God. already big in. They will say Trump is an insurrectionist and therefore we will not Give him the platform to spread his lies before millions of the American people. The president, uh, the, he's, he's not, he is too far above this to share a stage with that horrible person. And, and the reason why I think I know this is I see this every time Trump has a victory speech. MSNBC and CNN will either show a little bit of it and then pull away and then explain to its viewers, we can't show you this anymore. We, we will not expose you to his lies. Oh, coming up next is Adam Schiff. Right. And so it's kind of funny, these standards that they have. And in 2016, they bear hugged Trump because he was great for ratings and clicks and they thought he wouldn't win. So I could see Biden using that excuse like I'm not going to debate him because it's beneath me to do so. Uh, and and the the media will cheer that on I'm like that's good that's a good moral stance to take. Look at Katie Hobbs in, in your home state of Arizona, right? She got away with not uh, debating Cory yeah, Lake in the same premise. Like I'm not going to share a stage with her. She lies, and I'm not going to I'm not going to entertain uh, and give her that platform.
0: It's so chicken shit. I hate when anyone does it. I think it, it's a part of the process, and we don't get to choose who we run against. Do you think that they're going to be able to keep his age? Like th- there are things that we can just all see with our eyes and hear with our ears. He just doesn't he does not look good he, and, and it makes me uncomfortable that i have to somehow be like responsible for my president's health that is so not the role of like an american citizen do you think they'll be able to protect him and shield him the way that they have been in the last election
2: well there's no COVID this time no excuse you yeah can't put him in a basement because we, we could all move freely now uh no i i just don't see it. It, it this is a feel election i think megan and people feel the fact that they look at their bank accounts and they're like my savings are just dwindling away. We just passed a trillion dollars in credit card debt in this country. So you know how that works, right? People are just chasing interest at this point and pay, paying the minimum and they can't afford to save anything. And then when they do go to the store, they're paying twice as much for food or they're paying more for gas and, and they, they, they feel it. And, they, and they're like, this is not right. And this it wasn't this way, even if I don't like Trump personally, when he was president. So I, I think in the end, they see and feel Joe Biden getting older before their eyes they know the fact that he's on vacation for 40 percent because his age requires him to rest as much as possible and in the end i think the border is going to bite him in the ass because that is something that people are not comfortable with once mm-hmm. they hear the terrorists are coming over here especially after what happened uh when hamas breached israel's border and they saw the result mm-hmm. of that so I, I, I got my money on trump right now it's going to be close Uh, But just because Biden is that bad is why I would pick Trump.
0: It's a very valid point, and I don't think you're wrong. And one of my best friends thinks Trump's going to win and that I need to, like, you know, come to terms with it. Um I last question. I ha- want to ask you, it came out yesterday that there is a bunch of firings, 30% at the LA times sports illustrated is now, I guess, no moss. I guess it's completely going under, Um, you know, you think of the sports illustrated, like, I don't know what it was called, like the bikini issue, whatever one, the bathing suit one, issue. Yeah. Sp- excuse me. Yes. Thank you. Uh, as being like very iconic in, in American culture. Um I think of the LA times as being a huge, huge newspaper. Um, what is happening? Uh, do you think there is a future for print media of any kind? Or do you think this is sort of like, you know, the the audience and the free market is dictating what they want to consume and maybe just being like the most left progressive people only talking to one another and crapping all over conservatives all the time maybe isn't a great business model, which is something I would say of both of these not. publications do.
2: Yeah, echo chamber, right? Mm-hmm. Echo chambers are boring. Uh I knew that swimsuit issue answer a little bit too fast.
0: <laughs> well, you're an American male that like I mean again it was like, you know, for a long time I think it was like the the thing, you know, for oh, for God, decades. Yeah. Christy Brinkley, the 1983 yeah. issue.
2: Oh, <laughs> and Bora Bora, forget it. <laughs> I was reading it for the for the articles. Now, here's the point. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a big big problem, particularly when you understand that, you know, the New York Times hasn't endorsed a Republican presidential candidate since Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1956. What is that, 68 years ago or something? I mean, they, they said, hey, Mondale, that's your guy right there. And anyway, uh-huh. then he won one state in 1984. Uh, the Washington Post has never endorsed a Republican presidential candidate either, which is which means they're like, caucus. I mean, how could you go wrong with this guy? John Kerry, you know, I could go Dukakis. on. Dukakis. So uh, here, here's the point that, yeah, they've all gone so far to the left that they're not trusted anymore. And in 2016, when I was with The Hill, we did this compilation of all the major endorsements from newspapers across the country, and 57 endorsed Hillary Clinton, and two endorsed Donald Trump, and that got Hillary a set of steak knives and a concession speech. In other words, you have all these papers saying, this is how you should vote, and it didn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. So I just don't think anybody trusts the messenger anymore, and it's just like late-night talk shows, like we talked about. They all say and do the same thing and take the same positions. It's just not a good business model. You're right. You, You go to the middle offer up a whole bunch of different opinions, and I think you'll be okay. And, and I'm, I'm going to toot Fox's horn a little bit. At least we have some strong liberals on our network that make shows like The Five interesting. I mean, Jesse Tarloff's great. Show me where the, the Trump version, supporter version of uh, on MSNBC and CNN exists uh, that, that matches uh, like a Jesse Tarloff or a Henry Ford or uh, uh, a yeah. Ford Jr., right? Harold Ford, excuse me. So- uh, I don't know. I, I just no, i don't, to put it in a shambles plug for my own network.
0: No, my husband is a Fox News contributor as well. He's in New Hampshire with them right. right now. Um, I really... Look, I, I Fox News is the best climate uh, in media I ever worked at. It's a very family-oriented company, and it's very loyal to one another. And it's I always had a really positive experience working there, and I have nothing bad to say about the company when I work there, and I think it serves a really important role because without it, there would be no uh, right-of-center people feeling in any way represented in the media at all. And I have found the... I got really red-pilled and radicalized just working in – working at ABC News really changed me in a lot of ways, not only because of, like, the environment I was in, but I just saw, like, when you're inside the, like, tunnel and you're, like, inside the belly of the beast and you see how much they hate you. And that they hate Republicans and they hate people in the middle of the country and that they have like maybe never interacted with anyone who made less than one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year. It really changed. I was very naive thinking that like most journalists, they want to tell the news, they want to know X, Y and Z. And no, that's not the case. And I can tell you because I've been there. And like it is it is not they they hate you. Just trust me. hate i don't mean you joe i don't like whatever but i mean really hate republicans at large
2: (laughs) i think i I think because i used to go on cnn and msnbc before i signed with fox uh and whenever i was in their green rooms and just spoke to some people there i'd always walk out and just be like boy these people take themselves very
0: seriously very And fox is
2: more like the jersey shore you know there is no tv joe and then he changes into somebody else on the air Uh, everybody's kind of themselves They, they don't put on this performance act uh the, the The tapper act where you know you're you 're speaking down to everybody, so i I think that 's what makes the network ultimately good, yeah right of center that 's fine, but people are authentic, and you can 't teach that.
0: My last final question for you, not to also like make this about me, but recently, I have been asked to go on c n n like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. which has surprised me because I haven't been on CNN since I was like, I think in my twenties. Um, and also I have not been kind about CNN. And I would just preface it. One of my best friends, SC Cup, works there and they're still really good people who work there. I'm not like trashing it as a whole, but I don't want to go on CNN. Nobody's fucking watching CNN. Um, why they, I mean, it, I'm not trying to be mean, but I think their main show, I mean, you know better than me, they have just like 300,000 viewers, which is like, to almost six hundred thousand, follow me on Instagram. Like, wow. what? Why? Like, I just don't see the cost benefit to like take time, get hair and makeup, blah blah blah. Um, it. What do you? How do you reroute CNN in particular? Because at least MSNBC is like doing a little better in the ratings, and like they're like we're liberal. The end. This is what it is. But CNN still tries to pretend like it's news. Um, yeah. how do you fix this network? That again, I just have like no. And like, I'm not trying to be like a like a pretentious. Dick about this. I'm just not interested in appearing on CNN. Uh,
2: well, here's the thing. You could do this. This is what I would do. I would hire a new network president, and uh, I'd hire a guy named Chris Licht.
0: And... <laughs> That's the old president. That's I know. the old guy that blew yeah, that. Like
2: make, I'm making a joke. Here okay. <laughs> And then I'll, I'll have Discovery come in and its bosses, like John Malone, will say, no, we have to start to appeal to the middle and to more Republicans. We already have the left, but we need to be the old CNN we were under Bernard Shaw, for example, in the first Gulf War when we were the spare tire, that when breaking news happened, you went to CNN because you trusted it. And if we do that, we can change this network and turn it around. And when they did that and hired Chris Licht, and he put Donald Trump, the prohibitive leader to win the GOP nomination and perhaps the presidency on a town hall last year, there was a mutiny from within, very publicly by the way, and Lick was gone in about two weeks. Literally you had Anderson Cooper telling its audience, I know what you watched last night in terms of Trump was disturbing and I wouldn't blame you if you never watched this network again, unquote. He said that. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm discovered, you're fired. You don't say that on the air. That's it. I don't remember. He had the media reporters over there, basically undermining this guy as well. You're gone too. By the way, that's the thing. So there was a mutiny. He was out, and now they're back to being the old uh, uh, Jeff Zucker CNN, and it doesn't work because Mm -hmm. they're not as liberal, I guess, as MSNBC. So now they're a distant third. To your point, they lose to a a network called INSP Have you ever heard of this network?
0: No. What is that?
2: Uh, They show old country westerns like uh, Gunsmoke.
0: My dad used to watch that channel. Yes, I do know what that is. Sorry, yes, but he's probably the only person watching it. (laughs) Anyway, there you go. Uh That
2: beats CNN. I mean, and we're in an election year. There's wars going on and they're still losing to INSP. And it's funny. I actually brought this same point up on Fox. And then the folks at INSP were so thrilled that I mentioned their network (laughs) on the air that they sent me like a country hat and all this (laughs) cowboy gear. I'm like, you guys are awesome. I'm not bashing them. I'm just saying that. No,
0: no. But it's not a news network, you know.
2: No. And it's showing content from 60, 70 years ago. And a a news network with all these resources internationally, with all these things going on, still can't beat it. And I think ultimately because that's because the talent is just insufferable and they're just not likable people
0: do you think it dies at any point or it just slogs along with a thousand people watching
2: uh i guess since it's with discovery maybe other parts of the parent company can make enough money to keep it afloat but as a standalone no it it couldn't survive under its current model
0: it's just fascinating one of the best things about uh this time in media for me is just The corporate media doesn't mean anything anymore. There's no more gatekeeping. I can do a podcast. You can put something on YouTube or social media and it gets seen and heard. Hell of a lot more than the, you know, primetime CNN. It's a great. It's I love it. Inject that into my veins all day long. And you <laughs> said
2: chicken shit twice during this podcast, which I thought was awesome.
0: Thank you. I have I have a mouth of a sailor I'm many things. And I was sent to finishing school and the whole thing. And I still like swear a lot. But my dad swore a lot. So I think that's where I got it from. That's that,
2: that's where it happens. Um, you know, I was I never do this around my kids.
0: I've actually uh, been worried that sucks. the audience would hate it, but um, it, they seem to be OK. So, there you go.
2: Authentic. This is how we talk.
0: (laughs) This is how we talk. Joe Concha, you're a Fox News contributor and a columnist for The Messenger and a New York Times bestselling author. Thank you so much for coming on. Please come back on when your next book comes out. And I love your work. I love your commentary. So does everybody. And you're really, like, such an interesting voice. And I'm so happy to see all your success
2: and I am so happy for you that you finally got knocked up and then just <laughs> keep pushing those Twice. babies out. Twice. Twice. Twice, I know. The city must be thrilled.
0: I mean, <laughs> just, tell her I told you so. Yeah, I mean, I think Ben's Ben would have 10 kids if I could physically handle it, but I've, I'm old. You know, how many do you have? Wait, you have like quite a few, right? You have three? Two? two? Why did I think you had so many children?
2: Oh, because... There's these weird things that are written up about me. I don't know if you've seen these, like these biographies, but they're really, really written by algorithms. And they think my dogs are my kids. So I, I feel like I thought you had five. Apparently, are my two others. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Okay>, that's why. <laughs> then, that well, funny? you could have two more. Uh, thank you so much, and like I said, come back anytime.
2: Take care. I'll say hi to Kat.
0: Welcome back to Megan McCain has entered the chat with me, Megan McCain. We are sifting through our New Hampshire primary hangover. Um, here with me to help sift through everything is our friend, Abe Greenwald, who is the executive editor of Commentary Magazine. Abe, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking time this morning. I'm sure you were up late like the rest of us and you already recorded your podcast that you do, the Commentary Magazine podcast, which is truly my favorite podcast on my Spotify end of the year in 2023 I was in the 10% of top listeners <laughs> which is so funny anyway thank you for coming on
3: well thanks so much for having me I'm honored to have you uh, among the 10% <laughs> of listeners and I actually didn't go to bed that late because for me it was like I want to once I confirmed the general trend I said okay I'll 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 wake I can wake up to the to the finer finer points
0: yeah Yeah, so i just want to give for people that maybe don't know and are just getting their news now trump did in fact win the new hampshire primary like we all thought 54.5 percent to nikki haley's 43.3 percent he won by roughly 12 points but it was not a blowout like we wanted he only got 54 percent of the vote haley has vowed to go and fight on to south carolina um i think this is actually interesting the more like We delve into some of the polling. According to an AP voter analysis, 62% of unaffiliated voters in New Hampshire went for Nikki Haley, while 83% of, quote, very conservative voters went for Donald Trump. However, and this is what I found the most interesting, the question of how would you feel if Donald Trump wins the nomination? Only 53% of Republicans in that poll said they would be very satisfied, and a whopping 35% of Republicans say that they will not vote for Donald Trump. So I I actually thought it was interesting that if he is this incumbent presidential nominee that we're all loving, shouldn't he have won by like 80% last night?
3: Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I hear a lot of people talking about framing him as an incumbent, which he kind of is but he also kind of isn't, and he's also, interestingly, he's an incumbent, he's also an outsider, um, which I think at the moment he can use, can, could use that to his, to his benefit, to sort of um, establish himself as, as all things to all people, uh, sort of, but I don't know, I mean, because he's not technically an incumbent, um, I think there's a little bit of a rhetorical, uh, game going on here. Uh, he certainly didn't do as well as the, the previous polls had indicated he would. Um, but I still look at it as a pretty handy victory, and I'm skeptical of the Republicans who now say they wouldn't be satisfied or wouldn't vote for him come November. Um... I'm, which is not to say I don't believe them today. I don't know if you took the same group in November and asked them if if they would still be where they are. I think there's a there, there could be an effect over time whereby they just come home and come around by that by the same token, Trump could absolutely bury himself in all sorts of ridiculous scandalous nonsense by then and and that that number that percentage could be even higher among them.
0: Do you feel um, that Nikki Haley has any pathway forward? What we do know is that she has fundraising trips planned in New York, California and Florida. She has a rally in Charleston planned for Wednesday and has already started spending money. Uh, She has a $4 million ad buy in Charleston. I don't know if we're all just sort of doing like an exercise in Kabuki theater acting like any of this matters. That's no disrespect to her. But uh, even if South Carolina sort of used to be Nikki Haley country, I think it's Probably Trump country right now. Uh, why it, it, do you think it's smart of her to continue, or just like I said, sort of an exercise in
3: futility? I don't think she has a path, any reasonable path, um, on whether it's smart or not for her to continue. I think it really depends on what she wants out of this. If if what she is genuinely pursuing here um, is a shot at the brass ring, is to be the nominee and 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 the president then no, I don't think this is particularly smart. If she's trying to, and we, and this is something that we had dis- discussed on the Commentary Magazine podcast earlier, if she's trying to set herself up as a kind of Trump spoiler um, uh, because she wants to sink him at all costs or perhaps position herself for 2028, maybe that's smart. I think that's... Uh, I think that's a little too clever by half as an analysis. I don't think that's what she's suddenly turned on a dime and is thinking. Um, I think, and I don't know this, my impression is that the reality, she just hasn't come to terms with it yet. Um, And she's going to keep trying until it sinks in.
0: Ron DeSantis went on um, Steve Deese's podcast, and he's a very like sort of right wing conservative commentator. And this is what he said. He said, when I have people who come up to me and voted for Ronald Reagan in 76 and have been conservative their whole life, and they say that they don't want to vote for Trump again, that's a problem. So he has got to figure out a way to solve that. I think there's an enthusiasm problem overall. And I also just think there are some voters that have checked out at the point that you have got to find a way to get them back. Uh, what do you make of him choosing to not campaign with Trump? to not sort of kiss the ring he wasn't back like tim scott and vivek yesterday and making this point that i think is a really valid one
3: it's interesting that that he bothered to endorse trump at all um if this if he was going to turn around a couple days later and and say this Um, uh, it is a completely valid point at the same time I think – because I felt – as I was watching the New Hampshire numbers come in, I sort of sensed this uh, shift in the paradigm in in talking about Trump's general election chances because he has done – does so poorly compared to Nikki Haley in terms of independence. Um, And so people started talking about the sort of – how challenging it's going to be for Trump to win in a general. I think that's all valid, as you say at the same time we shouldn't lose perspective here the fact remains that trump in terms of a head-to-head poll with biden has never been in such a good position against a democratic nominee uh, or you know democratic opponent before never even close and he's sustained this position so We're in the land of sort of conflicting indicators here. Um, Remains to be seen what happens.
0: My next question on that point, um, there is a new New York Times report out that staffers named Jen O'Malley Dillon and Mike Danilian. Uh, who work in the West Wing with President uh, Biden. They are actually both moving to Wilmington to help run his re-election campaign. Uh, Jen is set to function as the new head of the campaign, focusing on the Electoral College. Mike, who is a senior advisor, is now going to focus on the campaign's messaging and paid strategy. There's a lot of rumors that this is interpreted as sort of like a mea culpa to the Obamas who have sort of demanded a campaign shakeup, given that they have been very public about their concerns and you know basically saying that they worry about about Trump being able to get reelected. Uh, do you think this makes a difference? Do you think that President Biden understands uh, how dire the situation is? Like you said, he's in a head to head match statistically, even in many polls with with Trump. Um, what do you think? Do you think they understand how important this is? Because well, I always I'm think s- of sorry, so I always think of Democrats as being so insulated.
3: Well, I think without a question, the people around joe biden understand how important how how dire the situation is i mean that that's through leaks that's that's kind of been uh, what, what's 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 come out um and it's smart to shake it up because in terms of ground game you can do a lot as we saw last night by the way last night was a good night for joe biden mm-hmm. um that wasn't a stupendous you know overwhelming night for but 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 it was very important that that without actually being on the ballot He was the clear winner uh, uh, in New Hampshire. Um, And that's and that's not a result of anything Biden, you know, necessarily has done himself. That's about getting people to write in uh, his name. And that's the kind of stuff that 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 campaigns can do. The problem remains Joe Biden's biggest negative, his biggest weakness is Joe Biden. Uh, And that is very hard and it's very fundamental. It's very much at his core. Um, It's it's who he's become. It's the it's the person uh, Americans see as president now that they have a real problem with. Um, And that cannot you can only do so much with that in terms of a good campaign.
0: Can I ask you a little bit about RFK Jr.? Um, You know, he's the independent possible spoiler candidate. There's a lot of questions if he's even capable of getting on the ballot in many states. I think the only confirmed places he's on is in, I believe, Utah and New Hampshire. Um, I have a lot of people anecdotally in my life. And again, I too live in a bubble like we all do who are who are like flirting with the idea of voting, voting for him. Like, you're just so pissed off at everything. I had a, a friend email my husband and I last night that said, I might vote for this spoiler just because I want to show people that we can F shit up as well. Um, you know, that, that there's just so much rage at the idea that it's going to be Biden and Trump again. Do you think RFK can be real? Uh, or do you think it's sort of just like a, you know, vanity campaign that
3: has no future? I'd be interested in knowing. If you don't mind sharing among those people, um, do they they tend to be people who would normally vote for the Democrat or would normally vote for the Republican?
0: It's disenfranchised Republicans who are not Trumpers. Uh, Um, It's like sort of one of my friends is like is like a fringe libertarian. I think he'd be comfortable with that. And another one is like my girlfriend who is incredibly bougie and carries a Birkin bag to go to the grocery store and is like a fashionista and she's very um uh, very scared about vaccine stuff and got really radicalized during covid that's my Absolutely. little focus group of my life
3: <laughs> yeah yeah that's interesting because i cuz the question for me is you know i've been trying to sort of tease out who who uh, rfk would hurt more um, from purely anecdotally again you know just from my social media experience i see a lot of i don't know liberal types sort of gravitating toward him um, or lefty types uh, gravitating toward him. Because I I feel for the most part, if you want someone to shake things up or to burn things down or someone to confirm your distrust of every institution, and if you're somewhere on the right, you've got your guy. It's Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, But I could be wrong. I mean, uh, Trump could blow... As I say, you know, he's his his capacity for destruction, including self destruction, is enormous, um, and he could certainly um, drive some of some of his voters into the into the RFK camp. Yeah, I think RFK um, is going to have. Is, it, it's very possible that he could have a, a spoiling effect one way or the other. I'm just not clear which way it is. I also just find him fascinating, as um, just as an entity representative he's the embodiment of the trust crisis mm-hmm. he's the poli- he's the sort of politically political representative embodiment of the trust crisis in america um, and it's to, depending on his fortunes it will tell us a lot about the state of how deep and broad that trust crisis remains.
0: Well, that's something you've written about extensively at Commentary Magazine. Is this breakdown of trust? And as I just told you, my girlfriend, who was very—I mean, she, she, and she, her and her family don't don't live in California. Left California, now live in the middle of the country. Um, uh, I have a lot of people in my life who just. Again, I think like the summer of hell uh, combined with being lied to about so many things about COVID, being combined with the Trump years, being combined with everything. It's like all the things that have sort of happened to all of us. But I'm actually very worried about the trust deficit in the media, in the country, with our leaders. And that goes to Trump as well. Um, You know, I, I am finding myself... Depressed is the wrong word. I was depressed when I I taped on Monday, but today I don't feel depressed so much more as just like, feel like we're all in this big storm. Just trying to survive. Like most rational people, even if you're like a MAGA supporter or a Biden supporter, I don't think anyone's going to sit here and be like, the country's great. We're not completely divided and ripping each other to shreds. And the idea of doing 2020 over again, but like the shitty redo or like the shitty sequel, there's this horror movie, um, called Alien versus Predator. And I'll never forget the tagline. It says, no matter who win, we lose. And that's how I feel about this. So I think my long question for you is, how worried are you about the trust deficit? Cause I do believe you're still living in New York City, correct?
3: I am, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm I'm deeply worried about it, and I think, in some ways, um, it's war. W- what we're facing here is worse than a 2020 redo, because in 2020 we didn't know we didn't have a Joe Biden didn't have a record that we could be depressed a presidential record that we could be depressed about yet. Uh, the, January sixth six that hadn't happened on the other side yet so now the choice to to pull the lever for one or the other no one no one is innocent no one Mm -hmm. is leaving no one is leaving the voting booth with their with with clean hands now um and yeah the media trust is at an all-time low we see in the institutions most recently in the ivy league scandals um no one trusts the academia, uh, public health, as you say. During the pandemic, uh, di is being exposed every day as greater and greater hoax. Um, there are these are there are very real failings, you know, in all these institutions, and there's good reason to be distrustful, and we should be distrustful um, of a lot of the things that have happened, but. What scares me uh, is the way it, it metastasizes into a sort of distrust, or, distrust or um, repudiation of the very of our founding ideas and ideals altogether, mm-hmm. um, and that's the kind of talk that that worries me, and the idea that you hear from uh, Trump, Trumpy types and certainly uh, uh, leftist. Uh, Activists, um, is that where it's beyond fixing, um, and that 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 is the that is the sort of dangerous, that's the dangerous territory, and I think there's there's good reason to, to, to be worried that we're going to be in that for a while.
0: Can I ask you about um, last night when I was watching the coverage, I saw Senator Tim Scott standing behind President Trump on stage. uh, Tim Scott had endorsed President Trump, despite the fact that the only reason he uh, has any public became a senator to begin with was because Nikki Haley appointed him, I believe, uh, originally. And Trump joked to him like, uh, you must really hate Nikki Haley for betraying her. And Tim Scott got on stage and said, you, you know, I just love you. And this is after Trump had made a very mean and bizarre comment about Tim Scott getting engaged. Tim Scott is 57 and is engaged for the first time. Um, and he said something like, which I just found distasteful. I mean, shocker from Trump. It's hard to watch these people do this. It just feels like gross and debasing. And again, I like Tim Scott. I've always liked Tim Scott. Um. Do you, how do you feel when you watch something like that? Because I just can't imagine anything in life that I would want badly enough to stand on stage with a man who had just made fun of my fiancé.
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's very depressing. Um, and it's the sort of the naked politics of it um, is part of what's so depressing. You know, especially when you, Trump positions himself as a truth teller who sees through all, all, the, all the garbage and he's real. And then you have this theater, this, this you know, debasing theater um, that he puts you through. I mean, you know, if you if you if you want to, when you, when you come to his court, he's gonna he's gonna make you humiliate yourself, mm-hmm. you know? and probably you won't leave on good terms with him either. Um, you know, that's that's you know, he'll love you for a moment, uh, but then but then, when when you're out of the gang. You're 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 not only dead to him, but you're the target of of all his all his followers. Um, it's incredible that people still do it, but I have to say, I think people are doing it more willingly now than ever before. Um, there's a way in which uh, those establishment figures who don't want to be left out of an, a possible administration job or positions of importance. They've kind of gotten used to it and they've figured, OK, this this is the game with him. This is this is how you do it. Um, and that the, the sort of meta message there is deeply, deeply disturbing.
0: It is really disturbing. And I think that, you know, I'm even seeing yesterday uh, Kaylee McEnany, who used to work for President Trump. I, she was his uh, she written, what Was she his spokesperson? What, she was in the White House. Whatever. Yeah. Um And she's you know, she's works for Fox News right now. She's very talented on air. But uh, she had suggested last night that his tone uh, uh, should change and that he should use this exit poll data to focus on the general election. And she made the point that seven out of 10 Haley voters say that they won't vote for him. Uh, you know, we, we can discuss whether or not we think that, like you said, will will actually hold up in the general election. But that still showcases that there's some anger at Trump and, and some real resistance to voting for him. Trump responded on social media saying she is a rhino who should save her advice for Nikki Ailey. I mean, she was his spokesperson. You know, it's that, like that's what
3: I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He says, you know, it's, it, it does you no good mm-hmm. to suck up to him. I mean, you know, do some temporary good. But, but you know, yeah, yeah th- th- then you're out. Um, I mean, the thing about his speech last night is that Nikki Haley obviously really got under his skin mm-hmm. um, because he wasn't – the normal thing would be to sort of focus your fire on Biden, on, you know, if you're, if it, if, if you're securing your, your path to the nomination so decisively, move on to the next thing. But her being sort of flying the ointment for him. And talking about it, and talking triumphantly, as she, as she was doing uh, about about it, um, is absolutely getting under his skin. And it's, you know, sort of making him lose his cool. He had a few moments over the past few weeks, um, it was after Iowa, where he was, people were talking about how, whoa, there's a very non-Trumpy, magnanimous Trump we saw, you know, is this, is this different? But there's no, there's never any, whenever you think there's any type of real change in the man, it's t- completely <laughs> illusory. By the way, I think that goes for the other way, too. Like, there's been talk lately of him seeming, uh, uh, sort of having lost a step, uh, confusing Nikki Haley and and Nancy Pelosi in a speech. I don't, I don't take it when he... I don't take that as a sign of anything either. I think he is um, sort of so scattered and unpredictable and second to second moment to moment in his thinking that it's useless to try to see him going in one direction or another.
0: What are people responding to uh, in the commentary audience right now? Because you all have been there, And I mean, the, the magazine as well as your podcast. Um, this has been a very difficult time for any pro Israel American, any Jewish American, um, because of the rise, the egregious rise in anti-Semitism, the last poll I saw was 111% in the past year, which is obviously just staggering. Um, You're seeing a sort of shift with people in the far right and people on the far left who are, uh, you know, on the far left, it's the people who are pro-Palestine. On the far right, it's people who are so isolationist that it's, you know, comical and dangerous. Um, Do you find any hope that October 7th and the response to it has sort of illuminated people, like you mentioned with the Harvard and Penn and MIT uh, pre- university presidents in front of Congress. Um, I have found in my life that there's a certain group of people who told me that I was right and you have been right about sounding alarm on anti-Semitism, And then another group of people who uh, seem so horrified and so shocked that it's as bad as it is. What has the response been from all your coverage?
3: Well, I think the the my sense is that my liberal friends, my liberal Jewish friends, had really no idea that these were the type of people that they were bonding with on other issues on social justice um and for them they were completely shocked uh to find out that oh no this this person who's opposing uh inter who's supporting intersectional feminist feminism with alongside you uh is also supports hamas you know um but i have to say none of it surprised me it was it's it alarms me continues to alarm me but um i always have viewed or for a very long time viewed social justice as primarily destructive um i don't believe the cover stories of uh whether it's black lives matter i don't think that's the the movement itself is about saving black lives even though i think there are many well-meaning people that go along with it because they they, they thought it was um, I don't believe that the the radical trans movement is about uh, uh, protecting uh, kids who are being picked on um, I think all of it is about uh, sort of upsetting the the natural or the the work, the good working order of things uh, destroying law enforcement uh, uh, denying biological reality sort of just upsetting everything and so that makes perfect sense to me that of course they they want to um they want to wage war on uh democratic jewish state and the united then the united states long-standing um relationship with, with 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 israel um there's a great piece in the magazine mm-hmm. that has been getting a, a lot of response uh and it is by uh, our editor john pot Hartz called They're Coming After Us. It is a long, pretty comprehensive essay about how we are now clearly out of uh, what was really a Jewish golden age in this country. Um, uh, And like all golden ages, uh, you don't realize it until it's over. Um, And it's over. Uh, Meaning all... The anti-Semites are are, have coming are not only they're not out of the woodwork only out of the woodwork they're out on the streets they're in Times Square they're they're attacking they're it's a multi-front assault on on American Jews so I would certainly recommend that piece Um, it's a it's a real it's uh, obviously very alarming but really good at orienting uh, those of you who. uh, are still sort of shocked by the new reality.
0: There were Oscar nominations yesterday, which I freely admit I didn't even read about until this morning. I was just so distracted yesterday with work in the primary. Um, But there is a movie called American Fiction that is out right now, and Jeffrey Wright was nominated for a Best Actor award, and I believe it got a Best Movie nomination Um, I have not seen it again it is on my list of movies to see people keep recommending it. My understanding is it is sort of a uh, cultural critique of things like Black Lives Matter and DEI from the perspective of uh, a, a famous writer, intellectual black man. Who, where, uh, the premise I, again, from what I understand, is that he is writing all these beautiful, highly intelligent works and people don't want them. They just want something that is a celebration of sort of, uh, black people and violence and all these cliches that, like, the woke white liberal people want. Um, I do want to see this movie. I promise I will. What do you make of Hollywood celebrating something that is critiquing? people in Hollywood and what they have done the past four or five years and have you seen the movie I'm sorry I should have asked that to begin with
3: I haven't seen the movie I was very happy to hear uh when I first heard that it was good from from several people I trust because when I saw the preview I said oh that looks good I uh-huh. so hope it's good and yeah not not another so um I have a yeah. very
0: weird thing for Jeffrey Wright I'm, I'm like it's I think wonderful he, I just love everything he does and I'm like very attracted to him. I mean, like, and like no, don't judge. Like, my I'm married and whatever, but I just find everything about him interesting and, and appealing. So
3: I would do one. I to met see him. Mm-hmm. I met him in the bathroom. You did?
0: Yes. Oh, yes. Was but he it was, nice? No, it, was very,
3: it was off. We were. I was at a restaurant, and uh, this was many years ago, and I saw him, and I said, "You're," and he put his finger to his lip like, "Shh, don't, yeah. I don't want attention." And I said, "Okay, no problem." And oh, he, you know, it was like friendly. It, 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 now he'd make it sound like he's horrible. He's no, like, no, no. Mean. It wasn't like that. He was like, Yes, I am, but you know, keep it down. I was like, Yeah. I was much younger. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, nice, but he's great. Um, what do I make of uh Hollywood? Well, it's a good thing that uh the film itself was made by African Americans because uh uh you know if Esau
0: Ray isn't it too. I mean there's like big act, and I think um Yeah. Like big big actors.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um I think Perhaps it's a message that um, they can afford, that, that that Hollywood can afford to, to countenance um, if it's coming from the right people, you know? Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I just found uh, it. Or, I was like,
0: I was so shocked that it got nominated because you would think people watching it, because again, like for all the people that have done, like you said, all these things past few years where it's like you know black lives matter ended up being a literal scam and didn't help any yeah. really any evidence of helping black people at all um all right. you know just this sort of like uh, white fragility, but the woman who wrote it is a white woman who's making thirty grand a speech. I need to know how that's helping poor, impoverished people. The you know defund the police movement ended up impacting the lowest income people because you know privileged white people can afford to live in nice neighborhoods and have security and blah 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 all the things we know. So to have a movie that's an Oscar nominated movie in a room full of what I would assume is the most progressive liberals on planet Earth making fun of them because it was not people like you and me Abe doing that kind of stuff a few years ago Uh, I just find it interesting
3: yeah the other possibility is they didn't watch it and nominated it for all the wrong reasons oh god (laughs) that's certainly possible that's certainly possible because I I did see the Golden Globes um, and every joke in uh, for that every presenter had was about race and about about whiteness
0: Mm mm-hmm Every Um, single one. I didn't watch the Golden Globes. I don't have the... I, I just can't. There's a few things in my life that like... In the past, I would say like two years maybe since 2020. I I just can't do it anymore and watching award shows is one of them. A, they're like six hours long. No one makes me laugh and most of the time I haven't seen any of the movies or I've seen like one of them and I'm particularly pissed off because I wasted time after I got a babysitter over Christmas break watching fucking Maestro and it is the worst one of, Abe, it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I don't know what everyone's talking about. I didn't understand the plot. I, I was like, we you need to tell me why Leonard Bernstein became a famous composer. I didn't really understand that like he's gay but his wife's okay with it. Everyone's saying Carrie Mulligan is so great. I didn't think she was that great. I thought the whole thing was weird and I was really mad so many people told me to watch it. So just that's my little tangent, but I absolutely, absolutely hated Maestro. Oh,
3: uh, it was it was it was terrible and endless. Did you watched um, it too? Yeah, it's like three yeah. hours. I had to watch it. But yeah, I, I watched it knowing I was gonna hate it. That's you know I, I I still do things like that. Um, I've got, I will. I will be a much more evolved person when I when I get over that. It's about time. But I had to watch it for no other reason because I'll, I'll give the film credit for this reason alone. Bradley Cooper looked like Leonard Bernstein,
0: yeah, especially in his older years. Yes, he yep. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. That's all I can say. That's good about that's it. it. Right. Yeah. I, this is really terrible and like probably a little sadistic. But like when. Um, uh, Bradley Cooper lost to Oppenheimer, I was like, good, because Oppenheimer, like, I was like, because I hated My Stroke so much. I don't know where I'm going with that, other than, I think these, the art is created for only, like, critics and and people in elite circles that can, like, pretend to like things like that, and I don't think any of it is, is, like, reflective of what the American public really likes, because if it was, Yellowstone would be nominated for some major things, and it's not. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, other than I, was just, I don't know where I'm going with that. Other than I hate award shows too,
3: <laughs> and I'm surprised you still sit through them. Oh, I don't. <laughs> I don't watch them regularly. Um, but it's another kind of hate watch thing. Or it's a, it's a, it's an interesting window, you know, into where the where the culture's at to to get a get a pulse on on you know what that crowd is 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 thinking about. I mean, not only have I not do I usually have not seen all the movies i'm always like who's that yeah i never heard of that what who's what who who is she you know
0: how i knew i was entering middle age was when i watched part of the mtv awards and i was like i don't know one goddamn singer saying i don't know what is happening and i went to the mtv awards in my youth and i'm like i don't know what any of this is um can i ask you how long you've been uh, uh working in media is it your whole life
3: no since 2007 i think
0: Okay, so it, an extremely long time. Um, oh my so. god, almost yeah. 20 years. Yeah, I mean, me too, like around then. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was, uh, came out yesterday that the LA Times is laying off a really significant amount of their staff i believe over 30% uh, sports illustrated folded has completely folded which is crazy to me because everyone i think thinks of their like issue the with the bikinis and whatever they call it they call it the sports issue or they like they have a name for it but it's like beautiful women in bikinis um what do you make of so many old guard publications in the, in this industry Fold it, just get, just folding and giving up. It looks like the LA Times is going to go after. Um, it's a really weird time, but part of me is like, make interesting content. Stop sitting around just, you know, re, like saying, Oh, I hate, I hate everything in the middle of the country and I hate conservatives. Oh, me too. Let, let's just do that over and over again. Clearly no one's going to want to read it. That being said, I don't celebrate anyone losing their job for any reason. That's horrible and very hard. But what, what do you make of those
3: announcements? No, I think you're right. I think you can only have so many progressive lifestyle bibles mm-hmm. um and the the main one is really the New York Times. I mean you know mm-hmm. which is which, because of the change in um the revenue model from advertising to subscribers um now just funnels to its subscriber base, reaffirming messages about their virtue and the evils of the other side and how to sort of embody uh, progressive virtue in everything you do. Um, if you're going to, if you have the, if you have that uh, and if you have the Washington Post for the, the sort of the, the, the scare of the, of, of the, the, the horrors of Trump um, and The Atlantic, for the deeper dives into uh, how awful everything is and how COVID is going to actually kill everyone somehow. Um, Where that's kind of enough. You don't need the messages coming out of every other publication. Um, So obviously, I think I think there's going to be um, there's a there's an oversupply issue and. They should let, you know, it's it's part of part of the beauty of the free market is 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 to let bad and unnecessary things die.
0: What do you find you get the most response from in your writing and for people that maybe don't know, even though I think a lot of people do, uh, you know, Commentary magazine is sort of a center right. You guys say conservative, not Republican uh, publication. Uh, I would say the same thing about the podcast. I came to Commentary um, when I met my husband. So that's like, God, eight and a half years ago because he was reading it every month and I, I had not heard of it. I knew who Jay Pod was, but for some reason I didn't know, you know, I didn't think about it beyond that. And um, I have since started listening, to, like I said, to the podcast since the pandemic. Um, and it's really, uh, I, I'm not saying this lightly and I'm not, I think you already know this and I think I like walk the walk and talk the talk, but it's a really important publication to me and people like me because it really is sort of this like lighthouse of intellectual people who don't seem to be poisoned, not just by MAGA, but by the media in general. It's like it's not MAGA. It's not left. It's not never Trump. It's like the normal center to to right conservative people who are seriously just trying to figure things out. And I have noticed in my life a lot more people talking about commentary and reading it like i said since the pandemic i think has really been a golden time for you guys because you speak for so many people why do you think the commentary has had this like not resurgence but just like explosion in a lot of ways and your podcast is doing so well do you think it's because there's just like a lot of people like us that feel underrepresented
3: yeah uh i think that's um that's definitely why uh i know you know when 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 Trump first became president, there was this sort of feeling like, "Oh no, is there is there going to be what, what's what's going to happen to to the non-Trump intellectual movement?" But it it, it proved to be more vital, um, you know. Uh, I think because it, so because people who wanted it for them it was now it was a it was a sort of lifeline, um, and uh, also since the Hamas attack of October seventh. Um, we've done a lot. We've we've staffed up. We've we we run more articles and analysis about Israel and anti-Semitism and Judaism, which was always the a fundamental part of uh, the magazine and um, and its founding. So um, we're we're just we're just trying to stay true to to what we are we're not we're not political we're not partisan as you say we are we're about ideas Mm -hmm. um and i think maybe in some sense with such an overwhelming glut of partisanship and politics um ideas can be a kind of respite um uh, a sort of way of slowing time and uh considering instead of reacting um so that's 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 what we keep trying to do and and thank you so much for you know as you say walking the walk and i also want to thank you megan i think i say this every time i i speak to you for being the the, the Jewish people need to give <laughs> you, need to give you. Thank oh God. We need to honor you, no. Doug Murray, uh, John Fetterman, Richie Torres, there are probably a few others. I love Richie Torres. You need yeah. some, we gotta give you, I mean, a luncheon at least. Something, but uh. but something much, much grander. You know.
0: I'm I'm totally happy if you just want to like, you know, get me a glass of wine next time you see me. Yeah. You know, I have to say people say that to me. And then I'm like, but didn't we all have Holocaust education in middle school and have a Holocaust survivor come speak to us? Because I did I went to the Holocaust Museum when I was 14 and just have like a baseline of education and morality. Just a thought. So thank you. Uh But I really am grateful for my parents' influence, honestly, and my dad and Joe Lieberman because I, too, much like the golden era, it didn't even occur to me that there would be a time where I have to start thinking about things like, oh, whatever school I send my children to, I have to 100% make sure that there's no free Palestine shit anywhere. Like These are things I can't even believe I have to think about, that that it, it is so petrifying. But I'm so proud to be on this side and the community of people that I have become close with and friends with, because I think anyone who, you know, we, we get a lot of shit for being pro Israel. You do too. I do the commentary does my friends do. And there's people like Noah Tishby and Eve Barlow and you and like, uh, Christine Rosen. And there's just like this whole group of people who are, um, pro Israel, you know, people who just speak out about being pro-Israel and it's brought such a beautiful community into my life that has become so important. Um, So I've gained so much as well. It's not like, you know, I'm like standing out here alone in the dark and John Fetterman, I hope gets reelected and reelected and reelected and reelected. And I was not a fan of his, but whatever has happened to him, whatever he has done whatever maybe he had i was thinking maybe he had some kind of like moral crisis after his stroke i, I have no idea but From i'm so I've grateful read, yeah
3: it, this is this is a more long-standing position of his than i had realized
0: really okay yeah well, amazing yeah. and yeah. for anyone that doesn't know he's like vociferously pro-israel and and wonderful about it went to the march yeah yeah well, on that note, uh, Abe Abe is the executive editor of Commentary Magazine. You can find his all his columns on CommentaryMagazine.com. com. He's also on social media X, Twitter X, whatever at Abe Greenwald. And as usual, Abe, I just want to thank you a for taking time. I know you're so busy, and b for just uh, you know going through all this craziness of the election. Like I said, it's just really important to have friends and allies who are like minded in this moment. And you're certainly one of those people.
3: Well, thank you so much for having. Fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Megan McCain has entered the chat. We will be back again. uh, Same time, same place next week. See you soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Megan McCain has entered the chat brought to you by Teton Ridge. I am your host and executive producer, Megan McCain. Additional executive producers are Miranda Wilkins, Eric Spiegelman, and Wynn Weigel. Our supervising producer is Olivia DeCopolis. Our senior guest producer is Kara Kaplan and associate producer Austin
3: Goodman.